Welcome to Holy Savior Sermons, bringing you the weekend sermons given at Holy Savior Church. Well, good morning as we gather here this morning. It is the fourth Sunday of Advent. We're going to wrap up our Advent Christmas series called Simple Christmas. As we do that again, you know, the Advent is the season where we focus on the arrival, the coming of our Savior Jesus. The word Advent means to arrive or come. And so for us, it's a both looking forward and looking backwards. We're looking forward to the arrival, the second coming of Jesus Christ, and we are looking backward to the first arrival, the first advent of Jesus, as that baby born in Bethlehem. To do that, let's go to our Lord in prayer. <laughs> Gracious God, we give you thanks, and we give you praise for the gift of this day. We give you thanks and praise for the gift of your amazing love. Holy Spirit, open our ears and our hearts that your word would shape us, that your love would shape us to the people that you long for us to be. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. <clears throat> so here's a question you've got to get. You think of it this morning. The question is this. What's the most useless Christmas gift you have ever received or given? Now, I don't want you to answer that out loud because you might answer a gift that somebody sitting right next to you has given you, and they thought it was the best gift they could ever give you. But, I, I mean, we all have that list, don't we, of those gifts that we know are useless, that if we can, we shove them away into a corner or we re-gifted them to somebody else. I can see a few of you looking at each other right now and giving each other a few eyes. Like, like maybe some of you gave someone a gift like this here. This looks like a spray paint can, but really it, it's a clock. You can push it down, and the light appears on the wall, and you now you know what time it is. Or maybe you, you give a gift away like this one here, a little bit kind of creepy thing. This is you know, Nicholas Cage pillow, you know, and you can rub on one side, and it's all red, or have half his face, or part of his face. I mean, I, I love Nicholas Cage. He's a great actor, but... It's just kind of a weird gift. Or, or maybe a gift kind of like this one here. The, this is a, a hand puppet, you know, or finger puppets that are hands that go on your fingers. So you got, that, that actually is kind of like a creepy sci-fi thing or something like that, isn't it? A hand with, you know, a hand on each finger with five fingers. And it's just kind of a weird gift. Now, I know some of you are thinking these are really cool and you're getting all kinds of crazy ideas. So if somebody gets you this for Christmas now, don't blame me. Or maybe someone thinks you're really lonely, and they get you, you know, Wilson, if you guys know the story with Tom Hanks, and, you know, he's on the island there, and he creates his friend Wilson, you're all alone, so they give you a volleyball named Wilson. Or maybe, you know, you, you, you just want to stay warm, and, and maybe they know you can't grow that full facial hair, or the beard and mustache, you get that kind of Viking-looking, you know, stocking cap, and it just looks great. Now, the next one is, is a little bit to me, um, well, if you're a fan of the movie Alien, this is what comes to mind. <laughs> there's, there's this mom who's got her baby bundled under a sweater that's got a face, you know, or a spot for the baby's face to poke out, and it just, it looks like Alien. It just creeps me out. <laughs> it's just weird. It is a useless gift. Okay, here's one more. Is the jar what? A jar of nothing. How about that for a gift? Just get you a jar of nothing. 
You know, you, would, you just go get a mason jar, just wrap it up and say, here's a gift of nothing for you. A useless gift. And maybe one of the best things to do with those gifts is to do what? Regift them to somebody else. Well, you talk about, you know, useless gifts. There was a number of years ago a society that was against useless giving. They were called SPUG, S-P-U-G, SPUG, the Society for the Prevention of Useless Giving. Now, it hasn't existed for about 100 years. It died off after World War I. But because of the rampant commercialism that had happened after 1680, I say 1680 because before that, the Puritans, the pilgrims, they didn't think very highly of the whole celebration of Christmas as far as the way that we do it. They thought it was very pagan, and the whole gift-sharing thing seemed very pagan, so it was kind of outlawed. But after 1680, it was okay again, and so the whole commercialization of Christmas just took off after that. And then, you know, in the early 1900s, the Society for the Prevention of Useless Giving, or SPUG, came into being. And a part of what they also challenged was the motivation for the giving. There was motivation for giving at that time that you would give to your boss so that you could get more hours the next year. So if you're a boss, think about that. If your employees gave you about two weeks' worth of salary of a gift so that you could give them more hours the next week. Now, if you were an employee, how does that sound? I'm going to give you more money or a gift so that I can get more hours. Well, again, Spug spoke out against that practice. But as we talk about giving and, and, and gifting, I mean, that really is a big part of Christmas. And during this Advent season, this, this simple Christmas, we have been looking at the overarching themes of the Advent season. So we started talking about hope and, and how we have hope and what hope really is when God offers us hope and that we are to be agents of hope in our world, in our society, in our culture. That we also have peace. And we have a peace that's from God, a peace that's beyond any earthly understanding. It's a peace that comes in knowing that God is with us and that God loves us and that God is not, you know, ever going to abandon us. And we have joy. We have a joy that, that fills our hearts and our lives. Not a joy because, of, you know, we didn't get a useless gift. We got awesome gifts, but a joy because we are loved by God. And that's our fourth sorry, and final theme for this Advent Christmas season is love. So my question, the question for you, what does love do? This is a rhetorical question. You just got to spin this in your head for a few moments. Love, I'll tell you what love does. Love gives. Love gives. Love loves to give. And so as we talk about love on this fourth Sunday of Advent, we talk about giving. Not only useless gifts, but especially the gifts that God gives to us. We'll take a look here at one of the passages that we read a little earlier from Isaiah 7, 14. Let's read this together. So the Lord himself will give you this sign. And of course, what is that sign that God gives? Is the virgin will be with child, and she will give birth, and she will call him Emmanuel, which means God is with us. Of course, you know, behind this, the story behind this, when Isaiah says these words and God speaks these words to Ahaz, you know, Ahaz was given the opportunity to ask God for proof, for a sign of his presence, that he was going to take care of his people, that he still loved his people, even though they had rebelled against him. Ahaz sounds kind of a little bit pious here. You're like, oh, I would never ask God for a sign. I, I, I would trust God, but really he doesn't. 
He doesn't trust God enough to say, all right, God, if you want to prove that you love me, this is where I, I can see that. He, he really doesn't trust that God is going to be with him. So, so God says, I will then do what? I will give you a sign. And God gives a sign. God gives, and that's really what Christmas is all about, is God's gift to us. The gift of his son, the gift of love. A little later, Isaiah 9, 6, let's read these words together. A child will be born for us, a son will be given to us. And he will be called Wonderful Counselor, Mighty God, Prince of Peace, Everlasting Father. And his peace, there will be no end. God gives at Christmas. And God gives. And what is, what is the motivation for giving? Now, you back to Spug. You know, one of the things Spug spoke out against was the motivation for employees to give to their employer, you know, so they get more hours and get more money for the next year. And what, what is the motivation you have to give gifts in the Christmas season? I mean, you might have mixed motivations. Sometimes you give because you feel obligated to give. You feel obligated because, well, it's just what we do. You feel obligated to give because they gave to you. Now you've got to give a gift to them. Or because you've got this Christmas party that you've got to go find some useless gift for. Now you've got some ideas, right? Maybe not this year, but next year. And, you know, or you give because these are people you love. And as we look at God's motivation for giving, God's motivation is love, which is captured especially in a scripture that, that is known by probably most everyone here this morning, the words of John 3.16. Let's read these words together. God loved the world this way. He gave his only son that everyone who believes in him will not die but have eternal life. God's motivation for giving his son is what? Love. God's love. God loves, and so God gives. And God gives the gift of his son. Later in John's gospel, Jesus says these words, and let's read this together from John 15, 13. The greatest love you can show is to give your life for your friends. Again, to give your life. And ultimately, Jesus gives his life at the cross. He demonstrates that love and the gift that he gives. And the greatest gift that he can give is the gift of his love. God, motivated by love. God, motivated by love, created humanity, created this, this world, this, this universe in which we live. God, motivated by love. Now, as we talk about this love that God has for us, you know, what is this love? This, this love God has for us, it is eternal, it is universal, and it is unconditional. God's love is eternal. And now when we talk about God's love being eternal, that means that God loved us, God loved you before the beginning of time. And God will love you beyond the end of time. God loved you before the beginning of time, and God loved you and will love you and continue loving you beyond the end of time. God's love is eternal. So that means that God loved humanity, even though he knew that humanity would rebel against him. Even though he knows we will rebel against him, God loves us. 
Now, our love sometimes, and, and, and some of us experience that love in our lives, either the love that we have given, the love we received, is not an eternal love. It's not a love that has lasted forever. Sometimes that love has betrayed us. Sometimes that love has neglected us. But God's love is what? Eternal. God's love is eternal. And not only is God's love eternal, God's love is universal. Because God loved who? The world. God loved the world. God's love is universal. God loved, so there's been some 106 billion plus people that have probably ever, you know, been part of this world. And God loves how many of those 106 plus billion people? I'm just waiting for you to say all of them. So I, I'm going to tell you what the answer is. All of them. Okay, say all of them. Okay, now I'm going to answer you the same question so you, can get, you get the right answer. Out of all those 106 billion people, how many of them does God love? All of them. Each and every one. God has never made a person that he hasn't loved. You know, so in the words of Jeremiah where it says, you know, God says, I knit you in your mother's womb. That God, you know, that is an expression of God's love. That each one of us is individually knitted together in our mother's womb. That God gave us our own unique personalities and, and, and our gifts and, and all of that. God loves us. God never created someone he didn't love. So if you're breathing right now, guess who loves you? God loves you. Hopefully the people sitting next to you love you too. You know, and, and, and there's others that love you. But this you can know for certain, that God loves you. God loves you even when you breathe your last breath. Because remember, God's love is not only universal, it's eternal. And God has loved you before the beginning of time. And God will love you beyond the end of time. God's love is eternal. God's love is universal. God loves you. You know what, though? If God loves the world, sorry, God also loves, yes, that also means the person that you've got to sit, you know, with during Christmas dinner. You know, the family member you don't see all the time. The, the one that's got those annoying stories. The one who, you know, maybe believes on a completely different political spectrum than what you believe, and you're going to be together with them for Christmas, especially with everything that's going on politically right now, and you get to grit your teeth because they believe and you believe. But you know what? Even though it may be hard, even though you may kind of sometimes doubt it, guess who God loves? God loves everyone, even that person. God loves the person that, you know, gets in the express lane with a cart full of stuff, and you're like, I just want to get my gallon of milk and get out of here. God loves everyone. God loves the people that we love. God loves the people that we don't love so much. God loves the people that we find it really hard to love. God's love is a universal love. And just like God loves you from before time began to beyond when time ends, so God also loves that person before the beginning of time and beyond the end of time. So we talk about the gift that God gives, that gift of love, 
That gift of love is, is not just something we celebrate on Christmas. It's a gift of love we celebrate every day. It's a gift of love we celebrate for those that we do love, those who are close to us. And it's a gift of love that we celebrate and a gift of love we share with those that we know, with those that we don't know, with those that we love a lot and love us back, and those that we don't love so much, even those that we find it really difficult to love. God's gift of love. God's gift of love, eternal, universal, and unconditional. How many of you have ever bought a gift for somebody because they got a gift for you? Right? You know, maybe. You know, how many of you, you ever bought a gift because, you know, you, you had to buy a gift? It was a gift exchange. You know, how many bought a gift for somebody you never knew? How many? Yeah, I mean, we, we, we do that. And, and God gives us this gift for us, but the gift that he gives to us is an unconditional gift. God loves us. He loves you. And yeah, he loves that person that you're going to be with on Christmas that believes and thinks differently than you do. Unconditionally. God doesn't love you because you're here this morning. God doesn't love you because you helped tie those 60 blankets that, you know, we're going to give out here in the community. That's a great act of love, but God doesn't love us because of that. God doesn't love us because, you know, we're going to put a little something in the offering plate later on today. God doesn't love us because we've been pretty good this year, and we're more on the nice list and not on the naughty list. But the same is true. God loves us unconditionally, even though we might look at our lives and say, I am on the naughty list. I know what I've been doing. God loves us even if we're a bit more like the Scrooge and we're stingy. We lack a generous heart. God loves us when we fail to love the person that God loves, the person for whom he has died. When we struggle to forgive them, God loves. God's love is not conditioned on how we live. It's not conditioned on what we do and what we avoid. God's love is all wrapped in flesh, Emmanuel, God with us in Jesus Christ. And the death that he died for us at the cross. You know, and, and if we're honest, a lot of us, probably honestly all of us have at times wondered if God truly loves us. We see what's happening in our world, in our lives, in our family. You know, we see the struggles we have with sin. We, we, we wonder, you know, God, do you really love me? And God says what? Yes, I love you. I love you so much that I gave my son to die for you. See, God's love is what we celebrate and what comes to us at Christmas. God's love coming to us. You know, there's a, a beautiful poem that talks about God's love coming to us, written by Christina Rosita in 1885. She wrote this poem. And an expression of God's love coming to us. God's love coming to us at Christmas. And she wrote this, that Christina had been stricken with Graves' disease in 1871. If you know anything about Graves' disease, it's a thyroid disorder. And it, especially back then, it can make you look a little um, unapproachable. 
You know, it's uncomfortable. It's painful. And, and, she, and she, you know, wrote these, these beautiful poems. She wrote this poem here, and she, she wrote the, this other poem that you may be more familiar with, In a Bleak Midwinter in 1872, if you're familiar with that Christmas song, In a Bleak Midwinter's Night. And she wrote this poem to express God's love and God's care. Here are the words of the poem, and I'll see if you know this as we have the words up here. And let's read these words together. Love came down at Christmas, love all lovely, love divine. Love was born at Christmas, star and angels gave the sign. Anyone ever hear that hymn before? It's hymn number 46 in our Lutheran hymnal. I asked that, and, and it's, it's one I don't think a lot of us know. A number of years ago, about 10 years ago, 12 years ago, Jars of Clay, if you're familiar with the group Jars of Clay, did a version of the song, kind of a cartoony version. You can look it up on YouTube and, and listen to it there. But it, it takes these words and it puts these words to music. Love came down at Christmas. God's love came down at Christmas. God's love stepped into our world and into our lives. God's world steps into our doubts. God's world steps into our anger, into our hurt, to our bitterness, to our unforgiveness, to our struggles with sin, to the arguments that we have, to the doubts that we have. God's love steps into the celebrations we have, into the joyous moments we have. God's love is there. God's love for us. God's love comes. God's love comes in the skilled nursing home as we sit with a loved one. God's love comes to the room where we've been unjustly treated by our boss. God's love stands beside us when we get the phone call, and it's one of those phone calls. It's not good news. It's heartbreaking news. God's love sits beside us at the emergency room. God's love sits with us quietly as we struggle with depression and anxiety. God's love is with us. God's love is with you always. And as we think about the gift that God gives to us, God gives us the gift of his son, Jesus Christ. It's the gift of love. And that gift of love, unlike, you know, some of those useless gifts that you could get, you know, Nicholas Cage pillow, can of uselessness, a sweater with a head that pokes through that looks like an alien. Oh, it's just weird. You know, the, the, the poem continues with these words here as the hymn does. Um, love shall be our token. Love be yours and love be mine. Love to God and others. Love for plea and a gift for sign. See, the gift that God gives, unlike the useless gifts we might get, unlike the gifts we get that are wonderful gifts that can wear out and can break over the gift over time, the gift that God gives to us, the gift of his love is a gift to share. It's a gift God overflows his love in our lives and that we become that expression, that gift of love to those around us, to those closest to us, to those in our community, in our world. That's one of the reasons, you know, we, we, we tied the blankets. That's one of the reasons that we had the angel tree. Because we don't have to earn that love from God. We already have that love. 
but it's an opportunity we have to express that love into the lives of others. It's the love that we express when we sit across from that person and we hear their side of the political spectrum and we love them. When someone has spoken words to us, someone close to us, and they've hurt, that we forgive them. That we love with the love that our God has loved us with. A love that is eternal from beyond, before the beginning, to beyond the end of time. A love that is universal, that he loves each and every one. He loves you. And a love that is unconditional. Because that love that came down is Jesus, Emmanuel, the God who is with us, who is with you right now. And as God fills you, as he fills our lives with his love, then part of the challenge and the opportunity we have is to look into this new year coming up as we wrap up 2019, is how will you give God's gift of love? How will you live this love out? into the lives of others. Let's pray. Lord Jesus, we give you thanks. We give you praise for the gift of your amazing love. We give you thanks and praise for a gift of love that we do not deserve, but the gift of love you give to us. We thank you for this gift of love, and we pray, Lord, this gift of love would fill our hearts and our lives. The Lord, we become an expression of the gift of love you have for us in the community and the world in which we live. We pray this, Jesus, in your name. Amen. For more information about Holy Savior, including service times and location, please visit holysavior.org. Thanks for listening, and until next time, God bless.